Good morning. Again, welcome to the next episode of the Bible for Breakfast podcast. Uh, again, my name is Nick, and we are going through the book of Hebrews right now. Um, Hebrews being known for a a book about faith and how to have faith and how to gain faith. Uh, we have read through chapter, chapters 1 through 4, and basically what kind of a quick recap that I'm seeing here this is basically that um, that we need to believe who God is. We need to believe what he has said. Um, and when we can start doing that and start really understanding about that, then we need then we can experience something we can experience the rest that God has wants us to experience and be a part of. Now part of that is um, the only caveat to that is we have to understand who God is to be able to believe who He is. Otherwise, we can believe in something about God that's not true because we think God is someone that he is not. Um, he's not a genie in the bottle. He's not someone that we can just pray up and wish for what we want to wish for. Uh, he is someone that he does want to reward hard work. He's someone that wants to make his name great. Um, and we'll talk all about that as we read through more of the Bible. Um, but just understanding, like really knowing who God is and mixing who God is and what he has said with our faith, with our belief that we are going to, that, that we can achieve that, that God wants that for us, um, can allow us to enter into that rest. So we are now in Hebrews uh, chapter 5, and we're just going to start reading here. Uh, again, I'm using the World English uh, Bible. This is the American English edition, um, and I've, you can find that on like things like, um, TheBible.com, Bible Gateway, um, if you want to look for something that's going to be online. Um, but you can really read any version, New King James, NIV. If you've read one version for most of your life and it seems to get a little stale or really well-knowing to you, like you you get bored because it's nothing new or fresh, switch to a different translation. Um, the different translations that you read are going to accentuate or push different things. Uh, which can allow the scripture to come more alive in you and through you and what you're looking to do. And I mean like translations, which is a, a direct translation like the NIV or the King James Version, or you can be looking at something that's an um, adaptation, basically, or a thought-for-thought -thought translation, something like the Message Bible or the Amplified Bible. It's not going to be a direct literal translation, but it is going to be a, a concept or what they believe the Bible is trying to say, and they're going to try to say it in ways that we can, um, that that at that time it was written, it's better to understand. So you can try that. So Hebrews chapter 5. For every high priest being taken from among men is appointed for men and things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. The high priest can deal gently with those who are ignorant in going astray, because he himself is also surrounded with weakness. Because of this, because of this, he must offer sacrifices for sins for the people as well as for himself. Nobody takes this honor on himself, but he is called by God, just like Aaron was. So also Christ didn't glorify himself to be made a high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son. Today I have become your father. As he 
says also another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He, in the days of his flesh, having offered up prayers and petitions with strong crying and tears to him, who was able to save him from death, and having been heard for his godly fear, though he was a son, yet learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Having been made perfect, he became to all of those who obeyed him the author of eternal salvation, named by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. About him we have many words to say and hard to interpret, seeing you have become dull of hearing. For although by this time you should be teachers, you again need to have someone teach you the rudiments of the first principles of the revelations of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is not experienced in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But solid food is for those who are full grown, who by reason for who by reason of us have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. So in this chapter five, it's, it's find it really funny or interesting that um, when Jesus talk when when we're t- when Paul, who we think the writer is, is going through this, um, he's saying that like. He's talking about the high priest, and if we're right in chapter 4, we're talking about how Jesus is our high priest. He's a high priest that understands who we are, that understands where we've been through. And because of that, he can be a very um, caring high priest. He will go to God for us, understanding what we've been trying to do and what we've been going through, because he has been through it himself. He's been a man. He, he understands the feelings. And what what he's saying is, is that, you know, there's no high priest that wants to become a high priest because a high priest has to go into the Holy of Holies, high priest has to offer the sacrifice to the God, and the high priest, if he is found too unworthy, could be could die instantly. God would take his life. And the idea of that, of no one wants to be in that position of authority where they have to go in before God for fear of of dying because of their sin not being great. And it's saying that Jesus, the Son of God, did not come to this world because he wanted to become the high priest. He came to this world because God called him to be, because God did not want him to stand in that gap. God wanted God needed someone to stand in the gap so we can be a part of there, part of them. Um that when you are called to do something, when God calls you out, it's not necessarily something that you're going to want to do or something that you've had a burning desire to do, at least the thing that is. But the result of what you're doing is what you want. Jesus wanted to be the firstborn among many brethren. He wanted all of humanity to be able to come to him. Moses, who was seen to be the stay in the gap, did not really want to become the leader of Israel but he wanted to free the people and let them be able to go and worship God. Aaron, as it says here, was not called to be a high priest. Aaron had many faults and flaws on his own. Um, If you read the book of Exodus, uh, Aaron had done a lot of bad things, but the idea that God called Aaron despite his flaws or in spite of his flaws, God called Aaron to be a part of what he's doing. Excuse me. God called Aaron and made him the high priest um, 
saying that if you want to seek this position that everyone wants to think is all this great grandiose thing, there's a lot of weight that comes to it. Let's talk about like being a pastor or working at a church. Like being a pastor is not something that great right now I'm not called to. I don't know if I will be, but at the moment I'm not. And I'm I'm okay with that. I don't want to have the burden that comes with being a pastor. Um, it's not something that, I, that, that excites me or, and then if you look at it, even the power behind that is not really that of one that I would want because I can get all these things, but then I'm in charge of being there when everyone calls to, to caring about their souls, to doing all these different things. And that's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to be able to help the people who God has put in my way. And there's not been an entire church. Um, for me to reach out to all of them. So, uh, and then he's saying that, you know, for the people who he's talking to, that they have been in the faith long enough that they should be able to actually deal with some hard things with God. They actually should be able to do what, what the writer says, solid food, be able to chew on some stuff. But right now, they haven't gotten that far. They've stayed on the milk stage where it's just easy to digest, just like babies. They've stayed as babies, making everything super simple instead of taking some of the harder concepts of God and chewing on them and thinking about them and seeing, you know, trying to work out their faith through fear, fear and trembling. They have just stayed on the, get the simple stuff. Moving on to chapter six. Therefore, leaving the teaching of the first principles of Christ, let's press on to perfection, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith toward God, of the teaching of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. This will we do if God permits. So I'll stop there. It's funny because he said, let's not lay again on the foundation of repentance, faith, teaching of baptism, the laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Basically saying that those are all milk things. Those are all things that, like, you guys should have gotten past that. You all should know that you need to have the repentance from dead works, that you all need to believe in the land of hands, that you all need to know that God can resurrect the dead, that you all should know that there is an eternal judgment. And God will allow all of these things to happen, as long as he permits it. Like, you can't be, to lay a hand on someone for them to be healed, that is God's desire, God's wish, if he wants that to happen. For concerning those, I'm reading again, chapter, or verse 4. For concerning those who were once enlightened, and tasted of heavenly gift, and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and tasted the good word of God, and the powers of the age to come, and then fell away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, seeing they crucify the Son of God for themselves again and put him to open shame. For the land which has drunk the rain that comes often on it and produces a crop suitable for them for whose sake it is also tilled receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is rejected and near being cursed, whose end is to be burned. But, beloved, we are persuaded of better things for you and things that accompany salvation, even though we speak like this. For God is not unrighteous 
so as to forget your work and the labor of love which you show toward his name, and that you serve the saints and still do serve them. We desire that each one of you may show the same diligence to the fullness of hope, even to the end, that you won't be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and perseverance inherited the promise. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. Thus, having patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by a greater one, and in every dispute of theirs, the oath is final for confirmation. In this way, God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise the immutability, the immutability of his counsel. Interpose with an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, and we have a strong encouragement who have fled for the refuge to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and entertaining into that which is within the veil, whereas a forerunner Jesus entered for us, having become a high priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. So, man, this is this is crazy. I'm going to try to wrap this up here in the next couple of minutes. Um, man. So, the things that a lot of times we want to say in our churches um, show God's faithfulness or God's love or our maturity are things that I tend to not be that important. Um, the teachings of the first principles, again, it's the repentance from dead works. That's a very foundational thing. Faith towards God, believing who God is and what who he is like. Teaching of baptisms. So I have a baptism, and it says baptisms, so it's plural, so I'm assuming it's a baptism of water and the baptism of the Spirit. The laying on of hands, like laying hands on someone and praying over them. Of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Like the fact that those things are so fundamental that... We need to get to a point where, as mature Christians, those things are things that we can agree on. We don't have to, like, those things happen. And we'll continue to, to, to walk in those as long as God permits, as long as God allows, as long as God shows that to be true. But then, as we're going through here, like, he's saying, you know, people who were Christians and then have fallen away. We can't renew them again. We can't bring them to repentance because they know the truth and they were thrown away. They were enticed away. Only God can bring that out to them. And God will put them into open shame. Or, oh, not God will put them into shame. That is false. Only God can bring that out. And when they do that, they do bring shame upon God. They they crucify God again on that cross. Um. Because they did believe. And the idea, this whole land that has drunk rain, is is the idea of, you know, God's blessing falls on both the godly and the ungodly. And the ones that bear fruit receive the blessings, and the ones that bear bristles 
or thistles, thorns and thistles, they've they've cursed. But the rain is a blessing, and that can either produce fruit or produce thorns and thistles, things that ensnare us, depending on our heart attitude. When he talks about the ground, he's referring it's he's referring back to the parable of the sower and how every man's heart is that ground, and it depends on what is in that ground, whether that ground is good ground or hard ground or thorns and thistly ground or a rocky ground. Um, but then Paul comes back out and says, no, we are persuaded that even though we have to speak to you like this, that you have done work in labored in God's love. And that because of that, because you still want to go after what God has for you, even though you're so, even though you're still babies, even though you're still fighting and bickering about things that are not so important or things that you should have already have established and moved on from that God's going to show you love. God's going to, he's not going to forget your work and let you work in vain. And that when God, God promised to Abraham that he would be a father of many nations, um, God swore by himself because there's no one greater than God. So he said, I, I swear that, you know, you will have that. I promise. And that we can hold that to be true by two promises, by two things that, have not, that cannot change now for us. One, that it's impossible for God to lie. So when God speaks a word, it happens. It's impossible for God to lie. And then two... Um, that we can take refuge, we can take courage, we can have hope in the hope that the, our forefathers gave us. So the desire that our parents, that our ancestors, that the beginning of the, of in, in, back in Genesis, that they had for a greater day in who God was and that God does not lie, we can hold true in those facts that because of that, that their will um, is going to come about, um, which leads to believe, and I'm not sure what you believe in this, but in a lot of the areas where we want to talk about, you know, wrapping your, there's things like think and grow rich or the power of positive thinking, where a lot of times these authors are going to talk about basically your will and like when you manifest, like you can manifest things for yourself as you think about it and you start, you obsess about it and you really put your rapper mind around it and you start acting according to that, that part of that is faith. And that faith or that belief and you moving towards that is going to push that energy out into the world. It seems very weird and very mystic and very Eastern religion, but there there is some reason to believe that there's some of that here in, in the book, in, in the Bible, when he's talking about because these people had the hope of what God had said to them, and because God cannot lie, we can know that this will come to pass. Basically saying that people's hopes can be enough to make things happen the way that they're supposed to. So I don't know. I'm, I'm still wrapping my head around that one, wrap my mind about that. I'm not exactly sure how I feel about that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that, meditate on that. You do the same, and let me know what you think. You want God speaking to you on that? Well, I, I know it went a little bit longer than I'd like, but I wanted to really get in those points there.
Thank you so much for joining the Bio for Breakfast podcast, and I will see you guys next time.